0: Good morning. Our scripture reading is in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. A final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth, and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, this being Memorial Day weekend, this is indeed an appropriate scripture passage for us to deal with. But it took on new meaning for me uh, the other week when I was on the App Trail mission trip, and, and I cannot recommend that uh, mission trip more highly. I see Marla Courts out there who went into medical mode. Is Jim Asobe here? Jim Asobi was a rock star uh, serving people for hours, and. Uh, The Greenwalt Shanna, it was like the wedding at Cana. We thought we would run out of coffee, and there she had more made. It was incredible. And uh, Bobby Campbell was relentless in connecting with every manner of person from every spectrum of life. So uh, it was just a whole lot of fun. Uh, I just recommend it highly. Great things going on. uh, Brookwood people, being the missional rock stars that they are, there was one point where I was uh, sitting with Don Sullivan, and we were talking and just cracking up, laughing. It's, 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 it's extraordinarily difficult to be around Don Sullivan and not crack up and be laughing. There he is back there, and Don was amazing. He was nonstop at work, but he found time to laugh as well. But there was one point where we were just laughing it up with different things that had been going on, and then he got very quiet and, and very serious, and, and he said, did you know there was another school shooting and I did not, and, and he had a little bit of uh, news about it. I did not have good Wi-Fi there, so later on I read about it. And I read about other news. I read about the fallout from Aaron Schlosser, that New York lawyer who had gone on this racist rant uh, in a coffee shop. There were more revelations about Harvey Weinstein, increasing tension between Israelis and Palestinians with moving the capital uh, to Jerusalem. And it went on and on and on. And I thought to myself, man, we live in a world. (laughs) And there was this unexpected correlation between all of that and the Apt Trail mission trip itself because we kept running into people who were obviously walking in darkness, many of them very kind, but obviously very much uh, not uh, in sync with God, as God would uh, so desire for them to be. And I just thought to myself, man, we are in such darkness, and we are in a battle zone wherever we are. Indeed, in a war zone, battling against evil. The Swedish theologian Gustav Vingren put it this way, he said, "...the war of the Lord is finished, and the great blow is struck. Never again can Satan tempt Christ as in the desert. Jesus is now Lord, conqueror. But a war is not finished. A conflict does not cease with the striking of the decisive blow." The enemy remains with the scattered remnants of his army, and in pockets here and there a strong resistance may continue, and indeed we know that it does. That is the position of the church. Which is why Paul tells us to put on the full armor of God. The full armor of God. Back when I was teaching at Campbell University many years ago, and I think I've talked about this young man before, I had a student in class named Kevin Kevin Pereira. And he was uh, in ROTC. In fact, at the end of that year that I'd been teaching him, he was voted ROTC Cadet of the Year in the nation. I was very proud of him. His father escaped uh, the Castro regime, uh, made it barely to Miami, and they uh, wound up starting a family there. Kevin was a product of that family and very proud of the freedoms that he had here in this country. And I used to love that class more than any other simply because when I uh, started the attendance role, I would go down the list, and it was always so-and-so here, so-and-so here, so-and-so. Got to Kevin, Kevin Pereira, here, sir. I mean, it, he he was serious about it every time. I did, we all just waited, and, you know, and, and there he went, here, sir. And Kevin meant business, and Kevin really meant business. He tried desperately to get me to go join him on jump day. He was with the 82nd Airborne <laughs> at a Fort Bragg, was taking uh, courses down there uh, to be in the Army, which he still is in. But he would come in, Dr. B, Dr. B, it's jump day. I can get your permission. You can come jump with us. Thank you, Kevin. No, I think not today. (laughs) Um, But thank you. Thank you very much. It was one other time I'll never forget, though. He came in, was just just excited, said, Kevin, what's up? He said, oh, man, going in, going in, doing drills, full gear, full gear, full battle rattle, full battle rattle. And I was like, excuse me, full battle rattle. How many of y'all have ever heard that term? I had not heard that term before, full battle rattle. Wonderful military terms saying, you know, we're, we're going to go in with all of our armor on. You see where I'm going with that. Full battle rattle. And, and, of course, Kevin was talking about tangible armor, touchable armor. But for us, we're talking about invisible armor, spiritual armor. But in Ephesians 6, it's very important. And I know that people like to kind of break down each of the pieces of armor and everything. I'm not going to do that this morning. So much to say that Paul is calling us not just to don the armor, but to use it, to execute it, to get out there and go into battle. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, and you can follow in the outline if you like. First of all, effective execution of the armor of God requires awareness. Awareness. It was in 1864. You've probably heard this phrase, but 1864, it was Chalet Baudelaire, the great uh, French poet and writer and literary critic, you may have heard this phrase but didn't know that it was it was Baldiera who first said it. He said, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world that he doesn't, what, exist. That he doesn't exist. And he's right. We've got to realize whom we are up against. Uh, you know, for a Christian to avoid spiritual warfare is like a gardener avoiding weeds. And considering that they might not even be there. You've got to be aware. I've got to be very honest. I grew up in a wonderful church. It was more of a high church kind of place, and it was very uh, sophisticated and intellectual. And we did not, you know, to to talk about spiritual warfare would be considered unsophisticated and rather naive and definitely uh, unscholarly. And yet in the years preceding, my time in that church of origin i don't know of a doctrine i have come to respect more than the doctrine of evil and more specifically the doctrine and the battle of spiritual warfare Uh, it's a perilous thing i think to disregard the reality of spiritual warfare and i appreciate the way john eldridge states this john eldridge wrote books like wild at heart and captivated and he put it this way he said to live in ignorance of spiritual warfare is the most naive and dangerous thing a christian can do It's like skipping through the worst part of town late at night, waving your wallet above your head. It's like walking into an Al-Qaeda training camp wearing an I love the United States t-shirt. It's like swimming with great white sharks dressed as a wounded sea lion and smeared with blood. Uh, Having been shark cage diving myself, I would not recommend recommend that. So we're in conflict. Let me say this too, and I don't know if we always realize this. We're in conflict with one who never gets tired. He never tires. He's indefatigable. Uh, you know, he's outlasted entire generations. You know, he's put entire civilizations into the mausoleum of history. And he's still going. And he's always ready for the next generation. And that includes us and beyond unless Jesus returns. And he has a systematic strategy specifically not just for us as the church but for individually you and me. Paul makes this clear in verse 11. Let's look at that. Put on all of God's armor, full battle rattle, so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. He follows a systematic strategy for all of us. He knows your Achilles heel. And you know what it is. What's that crack in your armor? Whether it's greed or or, or lust or pride or anger or depression or whatever it might be, stress, whatever it might be. And then like a heat-seeking missile, he goes after that, going after you, comes after you. So we got to be aware. But there's a second effective execution of the armor of God. It doesn't just take awareness, and I hope we become all the more aware. To me, you are much more naive to deny the reality of evil and spiritual warfare than to say, oh, that's so beneath us. We're uncomfortable talking about that because of our, our enlightenedness our sophistication give me a break please secondly though attack attack now now where did paul get this metaphor for the armor of god well no doubt we know that ephesians is one of the four prison epistles paul wrote this letter might have dictated it from prison and it's likely that while he was dictating this and he started thinking about spiritual warfare there he is likely manacled to a roman soldier And so he looks right over and sees the six pieces of armament of a first century Roman soldier. The soldier's armor protected him in battle. Well, God has provided us protection in battle as well. I think we have a picture of the Roman. There we go. But God has provided that for us as well with these different things, truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, word of God, and on and on. His armor protected him in battle, the centurion, but... God's armor protects us. And, and and where I'm going with this, though, is that it's not just protective. Uh, it's offensive. We're on the offense. I think sometimes we forget that. Let's put on this armor so we can defend ourselves. No, we are supposed to go on the attack. Jesus makes that very clear. Matthew 16, 18. You remember when Peter made that declaration about Jesus? You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, good answer, Peter. And then what is he saying? I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Look at that. We are not on the defensive. We are on the offensive. We are going after the gates. We're trying to breach the gates. In fact, we have breached the gates because of what Christ did on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. But we are still breaching it. It's not completely down. We still have battles to face. So again, we're called to storm the gates of hell, to be on the attack. And the thing is, we've got to keep in mind that this is a very personal thing. It's, it's, it's close quarters. It's hand-to-hand combat. Uh, very close quarters. Look at verse 12 in Ephesians 6. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Now, I'm not going to break down all of those uh, statements or descriptions of evil. It's just evil we're dealing with, but we're fighting against it. And the word there for fighting connotes hand to hand combat, face to face, in close quarters. And I think that's a beautiful depiction, a scary depiction, if you will of what we face as we are doing battle with Satan, with Diabolos, the devil. You know, God's provided us this armor not just as protection, but to engage evil. Let me just look at one piece of of this gear, of this full battle rattle. I just want to look at one, because I think that's significant here, because it reminds us that fortunately, we're not just merely in hand-to-hand combat. We have a significant weapon. Let's look at verse 17 Put on salvation as your helmet, okay, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I appreciate what John Stott said about this. He said, of, of all the six pieces of armor or weaponry listed, the sword is the only one which can be clearly used for attack as well as defense. And literally, what, what Paul is talking about here is the macharia, which was a a, a, a blade that was double-edged it was a blade on both sides it was between six and 18 inches long and it was it was dangerous extremely effective especially in hand-to-hand combat Uh, and, and he talks about the word of god there he says the sword of the spirit which is the word of god let's keep in mind though paul isn't referring just to the bible there i think a lot of people say see it says you should use the bible to be prepared yeah of course but keep in mind when paul is talking about the sword of the spirit the word of god there Most of the New Testament had not been compiled. So in one sense, he's talking about Scripture that you can use as a weapon, but sometimes it's just talking about very direct revelations from God, God perhaps whispering to you the words that you need to say in a certain situation where you're defending the faith, sharing the faith, whatever it might be. Uh, It can be the Word of God. We always go back to Jesus. You remember when Jesus was being tempted Three times when he was being tempted by the devil, what does he respond with? Do you know? He quotes what? The Old Testament, quotes scripture. But it doesn't have to be that. The word here is is not uh, logos, word of God. It's not logos of God, it's rhema of God. Really the word rhema of God just means, in a sense, the sayings of God or God revealing a word to you, bringing a word to you at a critical moment. And it could be uh, words of scripture, but it doesn't have to be. He might just be telling you, be strong, stand firm, don't be afraid. Uh, You can escape this situation, whatever it might be. It can be just some words. It's a rima. And that's what Paul prays for, by the way, that he would be given some words where he can explain the gospel to people. Look at verse 19. He tells the Ephesians, and pray for me too, ask God to give me the right words so I can boldly explain. He's saying, give give me the rima. Whether it's scripture from the Old Testament or just something God can give me so I can explain scripture about the mystery of this gospel, which is both for Jews and for Gentiles. It's that revelation. And Paul prays for those words and asks them to pray that he would receive those words, which moves us to the final point. Yes, effective use of our full battle rattle, the armor of God, involves awareness, just (laughs) acknowledging and confessing and realizing that evil is there. Very much alive and personal. And secondly, yes, sometimes we need to go on the attack, but thirdly, thirdly, we simply need to pray. That's our primary weapon. It's the, the appeal to God. It's appeal. It's appealing to God. Four times in the closing verses in verses eighteen through twenty, Paul talks about prayer. And he asks that they would appeal to God that that, that he would uh, that he would have the right words to say, so that he would have the right petitionary appeals and the right prayer as well. Uh, Greg Boyd, who spoke here, you might remember Greg Boyd, and he wrote that powerful book, God at War, which some of you read. Um, he spoke here during the Holly Hall lectures on spiritual warfare. And, and in I, I'll never forget, it's in the book, but he also said that right up here. He said toward the end of his talk, he said, prayer is nothing less than an act of war. I never really thought about it that way. But he said, prayer is an act of war. It's your primary weapon Clinton Arnold, Dean of Talbot School of Theology, says this, Prayer is the heart of spiritual warfare. It is foundational to deploying all the other weapons. And I would say prayer is the way you communicate with your commander. You know, if a soldier is on the battle line, even if he has all this great weaponry and all this great armor, if he's not in constant communication with his commander, he's rather isolated and vulnerable. Well, so are we with our primary prayer. We should be praying What does Paul say in another letter? Pray without ceasing. That's our primary weapon in the battle against evil. When we talk about prayer, so often we talk about prayer as if it's a last resort. Have you ever thought about that? Well, we can at least pray. Well, I guess all we can do now is pray. You know, (laughs) Paul saw prayer as much more than a last-minute contingency. I think prayer needs to be our first resort. Prayer needs to be our first resort. He says, pray without ceasing. Make it your primary spiritual discipline and pray all day before some encounter. Pray when you're at a point when you're fearful. Pray when you have an opportunity to share the gospel with someone. Pray when you're going in to comfort someone that you would have the right words to say, even if it's very few words. Pray before anything significant. Jesus does that as recorded in the Gospels before he made significant decisions. Why else pray? Because what you're doing then is you're submitting to God, and God is the one who is Lord over all things, including evil. James 4, 7 says what? Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. But it takes our submission to him, our authentic, truthful, transparent submission to him. We have opportunities here. I'll say it again, like a broken record. Those of you who remember what a broken record is like. Uh, uh, we have the prayer room over here. And I would encourage you sometime, not just on a Sunday, but during the week. Not just you know the first Sunday of each month where we go gathering in there just before Sunday school. But during the week, come up here and just spend a few minutes in prayer there. Not just for the persecuted Christians who are depicted on the wall there or or for the groups that are on mission trips, but for you that you would just be able to make it through the week and be a solid witness on behalf of the Christ whom you and I serve. And and I love what Brian said. We're so blessed to have each other to lean on one another. When our faith seems to be waning a bit, we can lean on one another. It's so great to have saints whom we go into battle with saints who fought before us, saints who fight with us now. Warriors with whom we fight. How many of y'all have ever seen the HBO miniseries Band of Brothers? It's powerful. Powerful. I would strongly recommend it. It follows a company of U.S. paratroopers uh, when they land and invade Europe on D-Day. And it's based on real-life interviews. And it's just really powerful, and, and it's kind of spliced with real-life interviews along with uh, some of the drama, and, and it's just amazing. And it ends with a gentleman whose name is Lieutenant Richard Winters, and he was decorated for valor by President Eisenhower. And, it, and his final words, I think, really capture the bonds that the, this band of brothers shared. And I just thought I would, I would play this. It's very brief, but I wanted you to see this.
0: Do you remember the letter that Mike Ranier wrote me? Do you remember how I ended it? I cherish the memories of a question my grandson asked me the other day, when he said, Grandpa, were you a hero in the war? Grandpa said no. but I served in a company of heroes.
1: That gets me every time. I'm not a hero, but I served in a company of heroes. I think that beautifully captures the bond that they shared, and it captures the bond that we share as you and I engage in war with the principalities and powers of which Paul speaks. And the good news is, the war is over, but we still have battles to face, there are still those remnants, those skirmishes that Gustav Wingren talks about. Just last night, I was uh, talking with Lynn Owens, a member here, who's gone to the ministry at Rio uh, in Brazil, I think uh, 13 times now, and... We were talking about how things, you know, are getting worse down there in many ways—just the poverty and the violence and the governmental corruption—and we kept talking about it. And she talked about how just more and more people are just trapped down there, literally. You know, if you go on the mist trip, I'm not, I'm not trying to dissuade you from going. Uh, I think it'd be a phenomenal trip. So, Keith, you've been there, I know. Uh, others here. But sometimes, at this point anyway, you have to go through these different checkpoints to get where you need to go, because the, the drug lords have these checkpoints. Now, they very much respect the pastors there. They, they love the pastors, and the pastor, because the pastors love them back. But in order to get to these places where mission work is done, you have to go through these checkpoints. And she talked about how it's just so sad, because it's getting so much more insulated where people are more desperate and hopeless because they have nowhere to turn they can't get out of it and i thought yep satan's got it right where he wants it right there he's celebrating that and i thought you know we got to remember his enemies are our enemies whether it's poverty or disease whether it's cancer uh, whether it's division whether it's depression, whether it's bullying, whether it's addiction, whether it's whatever it might be. You know, God's enemies are our enemies and we are here to be ready for a fight. Not just show up here and, yes, give praise to God, that's great, but then we leave here and we got to go out and do, do some battle. Do you know what the most common uh, Old Testament passages that you find in the New Testament, Does you might know, it's the most quoted passage from the Old Testament in the New Testament. Peter quotes it in the very first sermon ever preached after Pentecost, the miracle of Pentecost occurred. It's Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord said to my Lord, sit in the place of honor at my right hand until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. That wonderful passage is anticipating the point when all of evil will be defeated and will be under the feet of our Lord and really under our feet as well. It's a powerful depiction of a king back then if you conquered them, you would literally put your feet put your foot on that person's neck as a sign of conquering them. <clears throat> I'm going to be real honest. And, and 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 you know, gosh, you've got the passage in Genesis about, you know, one day s- Satan the serpent's head will be crushed you know I think about when Jesus sent out the disciples two on two on their own mission trips on their own mission trips and they come back and they say gosh God did some amazing things and you remember what Jesus said yes I know I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning this may sound really unscholarly but I can't wait for that day When all things will be set right, when all will be made well, all will be made well for you and me through many dangerous toils and snares, but even more, all will be made well for this suffering world that's burning in darkness. I can't wait for that day. But until then, let's fight. Oh Lord, hear our appeal right now that we might be all the more the soldiers you have called us to be. We ask that not in some kind of military triumphalist fashion where we're considering ourselves uh, higher beings than we are. We're lowly beings and we confess that. But we know that you've invited us to be a part of this magnificent battle. So help us to gird ourselves with your full armament, full battle rattle, and help us to engage in a daring, fearless, robust fashion on your behalf. You are the Lord and conqueror of all things. Help us to fight like that. Fight knowing that reality. So be with us now as we commit ourselves all the more to being the warriors you've called us to be,